Uh, what we'll be reading from Luke chapter 2 through verse 20. Um, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now the census first took place while Quirinius, there we go, um, was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Ju- Judea, from the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were complete for her to be delivered. Be delivered, yeah. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over a flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, they had seen, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's pray this morning as we prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord and his word. God, we thank you for the arrival of your son Jesus to earth. While we are a long distance removed from his initial arrival, we sit here today, many of us, gracious recipients and beneficiaries of the work accomplished and completed during his stay here. He was born to save And through Jesus, we have been given everlasting life. Your arrival to earth was greater than a birth in a lowly manger. But it marked the arrival of the one who would redeem and set free and save. Father, I pray that we would be a grateful people, always grateful for rescuing us from the chains of bondage and the paths of darkness that we once walked. We celebrate today a Savior born who is Christ the Lord. Amen. This morning, I'd like to tell you what I believe to be the old, old story, right? Of Jesus. It's old, 
It's a story I'm sure many of you have heard countless times from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. The story that I'm going to share with you this morning is true. Sometimes when you hear that word story, you might think of something that's made up, something that's make-believe. The story that I would like to recount to you this morning from Luke chapter 2 is true. I want you to know that. And you can read more about this particular story here in Luke's gospel, but also in Matthew's gospel. The story of Jesus' birth is a story that connects to us. Even though we're some 2,000 years removed from the actual events. I call your attention this morning to the narrative here in Luke chapter 2. And I'd encourage you to be asking of the Lord yet this morning how he might desire for you to apply this old, old story in a new, fresh way today. I'd like for you to imagine being mandated to return to your place of birth. The president has passed a law that places all inhabitants of these United States of America under obligation to return to their homeland of origin immediately to be registered in their hometown. Some of you here may not have to travel very far to make that a reality. I know that would be true for us. We wouldn't have to travel more than an hour. Some of you maybe have to travel out of state. Some of you might have to travel all across the country. The mandate comes as you are about to take on a large assignment at the office. Or perhaps... The children aren't well. Perhaps where you currently live, the weather is bad. Hard traveling conditions. You're about to finish another school year with the children. You've already scheduled plans with family and friends for the holidays. You leave because you must. There are no options here. So you take your necessities and you return to your homeland to be registered. Now, however inconvenient you might imagine such a law to be, I'd like to show you from the scriptures, from one of the most familiar passages, I believe, in all of the scripture, how this worked out for Joseph and Mary. Remember the news that Mary just received in Luke chapter 1. We talked about that last week. I'd like also to bring to your attention the news that was brought to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Remember, Joseph was having second thoughts about going through with this marriage to Mary in light of seeing that she was with child. And at just about the time when he's ready to put her away quietly, who shows up? Angel of the Lord. 
and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the one conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In awakening from the dream, Joseph obeys. And he takes Mary as his wife. And he tells Joseph in that dream, not only the name of this child, Jesus... But he also shares with him the purpose for his arrival. Matthew 1.21, to save his people from their sins. At some point after Mary returns from visiting Elizabeth, some three months, news of a worldwide census comes across the wire. <laughs> right? Everyone is registered, is required to go and register in their hometown... Immediately. And Joseph and Mary now are immediately confronted with some concerns, are they not? But my wife is expecting a child. What about, what about the business? Who's going who's to run the business while I'm gone? Or... Lord, you didn't let me know about this one. I, I didn't know this was part of it. Inconvenienced. Cause for question. Period of uncertainty. Ever been there? This journey to Bethlehem... Their time spent in town. The day came, according to the text, for Mary to give birth to this Holy One sent from God. The arrival of the one to be named Jesus had come in Bethlehem, in a cattle stall, accompanied amidst an environment far from sterile. At a time when there was no room in the inn. Every hotel was booked. Think about it. Traveling, these, these caravans no doubt littered the roads. As people are making their way. Heeding the decree of Caesar Augustus. But on this particular night, no room at the inn. No room at a time when room was needed. Amen? <laughs> it was needed. A young virgin is about to give birth to a son, and they're told, we have no room here. Luke 2, verses 6 and 7 says, So it was that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. The announcement that a son would be born had now proven true. A baby boy 
safely delivered as far as we can tell from the text. Snuggled gently in the feeding trough, perhaps. Laden with hay. Praise to the Lord for being true to his word. Rest. Recovery. All the things a mother tends to now begins in earnest. Nurturing. Feeding. Constant watch. Do you think Mary ever had the thought, oh, I wonder if he's warm enough. There's also this reassurance from Joseph. For I believe he too praises the Lord for being faithful to his word. For bringing forth the baby announced several months ago now in his dream. Look what Luke does now through the Holy Spirit in the text. From verse 7 we go to verse 8 and there's this transition. Luke leaves the scene of Joseph and Mary and the babe and he pans now outside the little town of Bethlehem to a group of common, ordinary shepherds doing what shepherds do, right? What are they doing? They're guarding and tending to their flock. Luke tells us it's night. It's dark. As I was reading the text, the Lord opened my eyes to ask the question here between seven and eight. The thought of the transition between Joseph, Mary, and the babe, and now, now we're leaving there, and we're coming over here. It seems like an odd transition. Why now are we going out into the field to see some shepherds? The arrival of the Holy One, this peaceful scene of a young family together, and now all of a sudden we're taken to a place where dirty, smelly sheep abide and shepherds call home. Why the sudden shift? What do shepherds have to do with what's just happened in Bethlehem? Tell me, what do you have to do with what happened? In Bethlehem. The scene shifts. Luke 2 verse 8 says. That these shepherds. In the same country. They're out in the fields. And they're keeping watch over their flock. Luke 2 verse 8 tells us. What the shepherds were doing. But they weren't doing it for long. On that night. Until the angel of the Lord appeared on the scene. The text says it this way. The angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Two splendid wonders simultaneously confront the shepherds while at work. They're at work. They're doing what 
They do for a living. An angel of the Lord stood before them. And the text says the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now it's fair to say on this particular night that the shepherds saw someone and they saw something. Sent by divine express following the arrival of Jesus, an angel stands before them unannounced. That comes as no surprise. And as he stands there, they see an unmistakable light. This glory, as the text says. Did you notice the descriptor? The glory of the Lord shone around them. And so at once they're engulfed and they're embraced with heavenly light. And they are enabled to see before them a heavenly messenger. Might you be afraid right now? Imagine tending to the flock and all of a sudden you see someone and you experience this enlightening, this all around you. Luke 2 verse 9 says that the shepherds were greatly afraid. They weren't just afraid, they were greatly afraid. And I believe every one of us would have been greatly afraid as well. Before the angel speaks, he brings comfort and he brings assurance through that familiar refrain. He says, and we'll say it together. What's he say? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, the Lord is good, church. As he calms fears prepares the soil of the heart to hear a message that is going to echo through generations. Verse 10 of chapter 2, the angel says to them, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. No need to fear, he says. For I'm bringing out of heaven good news of great joy. Now, can you imagine, just for a moment? I think in that instance, there was this sigh of relief. There was perhaps a look amongst one another as shepherds. A raise of the eyebrows. A swallow or two. And then I believe there was this collective leaning in to hear more about this good news. Anyone else here like to hear good news? Anyone? I believe most of us, if not all of us, do. Some of you didn't raise your hand, so I... I most of us do. We like to hear good news. We're turned on to good news when it comes. But can you imagine perhaps this in hearing that this, there's good news? The question of what, what if the good news is intended for someone else? What if this isn't good news for me? The angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to whom? All people. All people. This is good news, which will be to all people. 
The shepherds are all ears, I believe. They're listening. This good news is intended not only for them in that moment, but it's going to serve as good news for days and years to come. This good news will be to all people. That includes you and it includes me. The good news is for all people. It's available to all. And you can imagine the shepherds leaning in, desiring to have the angel tell them more about this good news. In verse 11, the angel says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The good news is captured in the arrival of a baby boy. This baby was born today in David's city, in the town of Bethlehem. But the good news is not simply a baby born. It's the impact and the influence and the arrival of God sent from heaven down to earth. Emmanuel has come. The good news is that this Holy One born today is a Savior identified as Christ the Lord. Now, I know very little how much theology these shepherds had when they heard some of this information communicated by the angel. I know not what they immediately thought of this baby's birth and connecting him to be a savior, the very Christ, the Lord. Perhaps you're here today and you're familiar with this story of Luke 2. But maybe you've never considered these words from the angel. There is born to you a savior. There's born to you a savior. The angel of the Lord, remember, had already informed Joseph that their son would save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. A savior comes to save. But the savior came and went in those early days of the first century and many failed to recognize him as such, didn't they? Many stumbled over what Paul says in Romans chapter 9. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Who was Jesus? See, God sent his only son to redeem and reconcile, to save us. And the message of the arrival of Christ's birth is this, that first of all, God saw fit to send his only son out of love. Remember that familiar verse in John 3, 16? For God so what? Loved. He loved whom? The world. What did he do? Out of that love. He gave. Who is it that he gave? He gave his only son. He did that out of love. But the second thing I believe we need to understand is that God also had a redemptive purpose for sending him. He was sent to save his people. So the arrival of Christ, the Savior, presupposes something. He's sent here to earth. Seems to be some problems, some issues here on earth. Any problems you're aware of? How about a sin problem? There 
sinners in need of being saved. And God, out of his great love and in mercy, he sends his son, who is, remember who he is. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians chapter 2 tells us. He is the express image of God the Father, Hebrews chapter 1 tells us. And John chapter 1 verse 18 says that Jesus, who came forth, who tabernacled among us for a time, he's the one who declared the Father. He showed us who God is in the flesh. He came as a savior to save, and yet so many, even today, do not see their need to be saved. See, the connection of a savior sent forth by God and the prevailing sin problem of man. God sends his only son to remedy for all time, for all time, the sin problem. Oh, yeah, there had been annual sacrifices made, which served as a means to atone for the sins of the people. All of this, though, was foreshadowing a day, or as we're seeing here in Luke 2, an arrival, an arrival of Jesus, the Holy One, who would literally atone for the sins of those who believe by faith in Christ as their Savior. A Savior has been born. That's the message communicated to the shepherds. In announcing the birth of Jesus, the angel is also pointing to what this Jesus came for. That is to save. He was born to save. As a side note, it's a side note. I say it's a side note because it's not the primary point of the text. It's a side note, but it's also a question to ask. What is it you were born to do? Why are you here? You were brought forth. You were placed here for a reason. God doesn't make accidents. What is it he brought you here to accomplish for his purposes? See, Jesus was born to save, and not a one of us could do what Jesus did. Jesus is deemed in the scriptures to be the perfect lamb of God. John chapter 1 calls him that. He took upon himself our sins in his flesh some 33 years after his arrival. And he willingly laid down his life for his people. Jesus was born to save. He came as a savior. And our sin problem needed a complete overhaul, not just a tweaking. It needed a complete overhaul. The very problem we have, the gap that existed, that chasm that was so deep and vast, Jesus is born and he's going to bridge that gap and he's going to make a way to God. You see, One only comes to God through this Savior we're speaking of here. His arrival, his life, his death on the cross began that reconciling work, restoring to man what had been lost ever since the first couple pages in Genesis chapter 3. The angel continues in verse 12. He says, and this will be a sign to you. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Listen, the angel is directing them to the Savior. 
This will be a sign to you. For the Magi in Matthew chapter 2, what was the sign? What was it? Star, right? The star? Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. The star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. Do you understand why they rejoiced when they saw the star? What did the star do? The star led them to the child. The shepherds were going to recognize the Savior as a babe, wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And you know, I was reading this and I was just, I was marveling at how great it is that the Lord opens a way for his people to meet Jesus. The Lord does that. God is so gracious to welcome us into his presence. Think about this for just one moment. A holy God makes a way for sinful man to know him. Perhaps he's given you several signs pointing you toward the Savior. And to this point, you've said no thanks. No need for a Savior. I pray the Lord opens your eyes to see, opens your ears to hear how much he loves you this morning and desires that you would know, that you would know intimately, know his son, the Savior whom we're speaking of this morning, the one who arrived in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that it is the work of God through the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit that draws you to the Father. And just as the shepherds are taking mental note of the sign spoken of by the angel, a multitude of heaven's host, army of heaven, host, join the angel. I want you to notice what happens. Luke 2, 13 and 14. With the angel, multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The angel chorus is celebrating the arrival of Jesus by worshiping. They model for each of us what our own response ought to be to Jesus. Worship, homage, honor, adoration, praise, glory. He alone is worthy of all our praise. And as I was reading this in verses 13 and 14, I just was drawn to how much I would have enjoyed being there, hearing the chorus of angels. Praising God. Glory to God in the highest. I want you to keep in mind that the angels are praising God and announcing this good news. They knew about this good news. They knew. The angels did. 
They knew about this good news and they were rejoicing to let the shepherds in on it. Have you ever had good news? You just couldn't wait to tell somebody? I mean, you had experienced it already. Some of you have gone to a place called the jump zone, right? I think that's what it's called, right? Where you boom, be bouncing around all over the place. There's a trampoline everywhere on the wall. and You can do all kinds of things. And it's fantastic, right? Someone who's not been there, and you've been there, and you know how good it is, you know how wonderful an experience is. That's a great thing. You you are just, you can't wait to tell somebody about it. And you want to not only just tell them about it, a lot of us want to actually go with that person who's not gone before. I remember as a child, a younger teenager, I remember going to Kings Island. I remember that trip because I remember people talking up this thing called the beast. I'd heard about it, but I'd never, I'd never been on the thing before. But they were so excited. It was like the person who told you about it, they wanted to ride with you because they wanted to see what your experience was going to be as you were riding it. See, these shepherds had good news. They knew what the good news was all about. And they are rejoicing to be able to tell these shepherds. They're passing it along. Those of us who know about this good news today, are we just as excited and filled with passion and enthusiasm to share this good news with others? You know, we gave the illustration of of, of a jump zone or a king's island, and we get excited about telling people about this. Oh, wow, this was fun. This was exciting. You're going to love it. Do we talk like that about our Savior The song of praise speaks of peace on earth. Remember, the Prince of Peace had come. The one who would preach peace, Ephesians says, had come. The one who would bring peace. This Savior is the one through whom we have, according to Romans 5, He's the one through whom we have peace with God. No Savior, no peace with God. Friends, I pray you would know this Savior today. It's my hope that you would have this peace which comes through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So following the chorus, the angels leave. Verse 15. And the shepherds, imagine this, the shepherds are left now just amongst themselves. That divine light that once surrounded and engulfed them. And that angel messenger that was once there. And the chorus of angels that showed up for just a a moment. They're gone. And the shepherds are left now. Debriefing the moment, if you will. Verse 15. When the angels had gone away, shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, what 
Whatever would have given them the impression to go to Bethlehem. Isn't it interesting that they, on the heels of this, they come up with this idea, think it's a good idea to go. And they're going to go to Bethlehem and they're going to check it out. Remember, they've been given a sign. What's the sign? You're going to find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. This babe was born in the city of David in Bethlehem. So the shepherds get together after the angels leave and they say, let's go. Let's go check it out. Verse 16. By the way, they're wanting to check out if what was just spoken to them was true. They came with haste, with haste. What's that mean? They were pretty excited about this. They were wanting to check this out. I don't believe their journey into town was just a a common stroll. I think they were in a hurry to check this out. They came with haste, verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. This will be a sign to you. And they found Joseph and Mary, and they found that babe, and that babe was in a manger, just like the angel said. Notice what happens after they see him. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. What was the saying about this child? What are we talking about? I believe we're talking about what the angel had already told him. There's born to you to this day in the, in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. After these shepherds see the sign that had been spoken of, they see the baby. And the text tells us that they immediately made known, widely known, this message from the angel to them about this, this babe right here, this one. He's a savior. He's Christ. And these shepherds, verse 17, what are they immediately doing? And I don't even know if they fully recognize what they're doing. But they are, are they not witnessing the shepherds? They're telling this good news that's been given to them. They're telling it to others, as many as they can. It's an exciting news. Verse 18. How are the people receiving the news? All those who heard it marveled. They were amazed at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I would imagine this news would have caught many by surprise. This news would have been an eye-opener to many who heard the message from the shepherds. And we go from the people who heard the message back to the mother, Mary, in verse 19. How's Mary dealing with all of this? The text says she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Remember Mary had been told about who this child was going to be. He's going to be called great. He's going to be the son of the most high. Mary, this is, you're going to conceive because she didn't, how, how, how does, how's this going to happen? She said, I don't know a man. 
And you're going to conceive by, the whole, by means of the Holy Spirit, Mary. Oh, by the way, this Holy One that will be born to you will be called the Son of God. So Mary's taking all that in. She's taking all this. The shepherds are there. And the shepherds are talking, talking up a storm about this good news. And the shepherds are talking about, they're sharing news that they have been given from the angel and Mary. They're probably collaborating on their story. An angel came to you too. Angel came to me. Angel, Joseph said, hey, he came to me too in a dream. And so they are just absolutely amazed. They're coming together, talking about the good news. Mary's treasuring up all these things. I'm sure Mary's heart and mind were quite full in those early days in particular. Well, the shepherds, it's time to go back. Verse 20. The shepherds returned. But notice what they're doing in the process of returning. Notice their mindset. Notice their demeanor upon returning. They are glorifying and praising God for what? For all the things that they had heard and seen. All the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. You see, the shepherds and Joseph and Mary all share something in common here. Angel of the Lord spoke to all three of them. Not only did he speak to all three of them, but the message spoken to all three actually happened. As it was told them. Church, we've been given a word. God's revelation. It's true. Do you believe it? This story that we spoke of early on is no fairy tale. This is the account, and I love how that's even how Matthew's gospel begins, talking about in chapter 1. This is the arrival. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. This is how it happened. Church, we have great opportunity this day, in this week ahead. Many of you are going to be in homes of family members, extended family, and friends. And I want to leave you with and encourage you with this message of good news. This good news message, which is really summarized in many ways in chapter 2, verse 11. There is born to you this day, the angel says, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born. And now here we are some 2,000 years removed. Is he a savior to you? See, because when he came on the scene 2,000 years ago, he came not only for those there in that town, those in that region, those in that area, those in the Mediterranean world, but he came to be a savior to all people. This morning, I believe, would be a great opportunity. If you've not yet known this savior, To declare your need for one. 
That's where it begins. Recognizing your own need for a Savior. Perhaps you've been trying to do this on your own for such a long time. And God made a way a long time ago to take care of a sin problem that we all had in common. And he did that through his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. And what's the rest of the verse? That whoever, whoever believes in him, Jesus, that savior we spoke of, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, I hope and pray that you know or soon come to know this Jesus, this Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we have a, an account of the arrival of your Son. Father, what an amazing time that would have been. Especially as dad and mom. Especially as a group of common, ordinary shepherds. Being entrusted with this good news. They they are, as far as we can tell in the scriptures, the first responders, if you will, to the good news. Lord, you sent your good news to these shepherds. And these shepherds were quick to tell other people about this good news. Oh Lord, I pray that we, in reading this today, would be reminded not only of our own salvation and and the gratitude that we have being saved, but Father, I pray that we would take heed to the lives of these common, ordinary shepherds We have a lot in common with these ordinary shepherds. May we be reminded this day as we go about our days yet this week. We have have already been given this understanding. We have a complete understanding from the word which Joseph and Mary didn't have the entirety of what we have available to us. Oh, Father, I pray that in light of that, we would be diligent to be witnesses to Jesus with the power that you've given to us in the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for this good news message. It is a good news message. And as such, I pray that we would share it with others, that they too might come to know this Savior, that they too might come to have life and be brought over and rescued from death into life. Father, thank you so much for Jesus and for sending your son. We are grateful this day and we say thank you for your word of truth. Thank you for reminding us of the old, old story. Father, we love this story and pray that our love for it continues to grow. Pray, Lord, that our love for it would manifest itself in 
speaking of it to others, sharing it with others. May we be unashamed to do so. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.